Amen. Well, good morning again and again. Good morning and welcome to Liberty Church. We are very excited and honored that you're here. Well, today we are going to wrap up our uh, two-week series that we began last Sunday entitled Buckle Up. Uh, and the, really the heartbeat behind this series is really bringing us to a place of stability and strength in Christ so that we can run the race that God has for us to run and we can finish the course. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I really have purpose in my heart that I want to finish stronger than when I started. I want to finish stronger than when I started this race. And I want my daily walk with God uh, to get to get not only get stronger, but to increase in the impact and the influence that I have in touching our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many, how many with me today? Anybody ready to do that? Amen. Come on. Well, let's talk about this. Let's jump back and look at a couple points from last week. We said, what does it mean to buckle up? It means to be securely seated in Christ. It means to find our place, our position, and our posture. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to dive deep into those three truths right there. What does it mean to have a place, position, and posture in Him? It means to fully embrace what it means to be united with Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, and you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But I love verse 4, but God. Come on, somebody. How many glad there's some but gods in the Bible? Amen. And there's some but gods in your life. Amen. You would have been destroyed, but God showed up. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Verse 6 says, For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ, and he has what? Seated us. Let's say it together. He has seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Look at verse 7. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. In 20 years, God is going to point at us and he's going to say, hey, look at all these people out here in Arab Alabama. Look at all those people joining on that online campus. Look at what I did in their life. Our lives are examples of his amazing grace. Verse 8, God saved us by, saved you by his grace when you believe and you can't take credit for it. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. Y'all say that with me. We are God's masterpiece. That's what we are. We're his masterpiece. And he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Look at that next point. We said, because we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms, we have a place of position and a posture in Christ that brings security, strength, and success. Therefore, we need to buckle up and refuse to be moved away from Christ. We said last Sunday, we need a NASCAR buckle, right? We need a five-point harness lock ourselves into that place in Jesus Christ because it is in Christ that we have security. We talked a little bit about that last Sunday. We said there is a security. There is, uh, there is a safety in Christ where I know that I can't lose. Amen? When you know you can't lose, to live as Christ and to die as gain, then you are able to live a confident, bold Christian life. 
And I believe we need confident, bold Christians right now in our nation more than any other time before. We need people that are secure in Christ enough to stand up and speak up with boldness and confidence the truth of Jesus Christ. And then we said there's a strength in Christ. There's not only supernatural power, but we talked about how there's a sustaining grace of God. There is a strength that sustains you and empowers you to endure the storms, to hold on when everything else is falling apart. And then there is success in Christ. And we made this statement the last few weeks. We said you can't do anything you want to do, but you can do everything that God has called you to do. And that's where our success lies. Our success, our ability to become the person God has called us to be is firmly rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ. And when I am buckled into Christ and I am harnessed into the fullness of life that I have in Him, there is security, there is strength, and there is success. Therefore, i got to hold on. Amen? I've got to refuse to be moved away. Look at that next point. We said the reason we got to buckle in is because there is a demonic temptation. There is a real pull from the enemy to drift away from or either to add to the finished work of Christ. And we really hung out here last Sunday and we spent some time making sure we were all buckled in. And we asked the question, has there ever been a time in your Christian life when you had a greater passion to know him and to make him known than what you're walking in right now? Because if you can ever think back to a point in your Christian life where you were more passionate about God and you were more passionate about making God known or declaring the message of Christ than you are right now, then you've probably drifted. You've probably drifted out of that place of intimacy with God. You've probably drifted out of that place of being seated in Christ. And we spent some time talking about, we're not talking about doing more and having more time because you have seasons that dictate those things. We're talking about the passion of your heart to know Him and make Him home. No. And we said, if you have drifted, then it's really simple. We just got to return. We just got to return to that place in Christ where we're firmly seated in Him. And then the flip side of that coin is if you're really passionate on fire for God, have you came to a point where you begin to add to what Jesus has already done? Where we all of a sudden begin to make ourselves the standard of Christianity and we think that if you're not serving God the way that I'm serving God, then you probably don't love Him. Well, that's a trap. And I've seen a lot of people in the Christian community get called in that trap where if you're not serving God the way I serve God, you must not love God the way I love God. And so there's something wrong with you. I want you to understand uh, we all have unique gifts and callings. And we made this statement last week. If everybody was on fire for God just like you, then we wouldn't need you. So there's a uniqueness there. So again, if we're adding to, if we've somehow made ourselves the standard, we just need to return. No condemnation, no guilt, no shame. We just need to return to that place of being seated in Christ Jesus. So let's look at that next point because this is really where we want to hang out today. We want to dive in to our place, our position, and our, post our posture that we have while we are seated in Christ. I want to read Ephesians 2, 6 again. It says, for he, uh, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So let's dive into this. Let's talk about our place. So we have a place of authority in Christ. We have a place of authority. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms far above the powers and authorities of this world. Our place in Christ is that we are, when we are in Christ, we are in a place of authority. Look what Ephesians 1 says. It says, now he, speaking of Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Look at verse 22. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. 
And the church is his body, and it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him to be the head over all things. Now, if Jesus has been given all authority over everything, and we are seated in Christ, then guess what? We're in a place of authority. If Jesus has been given all authority over everything, and we are seated in Christ, then we are in a place of authority and the word authority, let me just break this down to you. The word authority really has three main meanings. To have authority is to have power, is to have control, and is to have dominion. When you're in a place of authority, you have power, control, and dominion. And I want to talk about what that really looks like. What does it mean to be in a place of authority with Christ, to be seated with Christ far above all the powers and principalities of this world? Three things specifically I believe it means. I believe that we have power, we have authority over this world. And by this world, I mean this natural world that we live in. Do you remember when Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves and they obeyed him? And if you go back to Genesis and you look at God's original command for Adam and Eve, God gave Adam and Eve authority over the whole earth to subdue it and have dominion over it. So we have authority over this world. We also have authority over our flesh. You have authority now over your flesh. You're no longer a slave of sin. You're an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And you now are in a place of authority where your life can be fully and completely lived for his glory. You have authority over your flesh. You don't have to live like everybody else lives. You don't have to talk like you used to talk. You don't have to act like you used to act. You don't have to think like you used to think. You now have power and authority over your own flesh and over your own life to do the things that God intended for you to do. Amen? Now, let me just table that with this thought. You have authority over your flesh, but you don't have authority over anybody else's flesh. See, God gave us this amazing thing called a free will. And God is in the ultimate place of authority, but God doesn't violate your will. Why? Because authority is not intended to violate the will. Authority is intended to lead people and love people and serve people and empower people and bless people and equip people to walk into the will of God and do the things that please Him. Authority is never about controlling and manipulating people. If your thought of authority is that you want to be in a place that you can tell everybody what to do, you're operating in witchcraft and manipulation and deception. Because authority is not about, hey, I want to control you. No, authority is about I have control over myself. And if God puts me in a position of authority over people... The purpose of that authority is to protect and serve them, to empower and bless them, to equip and enable them to rise up and become the person God has called them to be. God never puts you in a position of authority to lord over people so they're going to do just what you want them to do. No, God puts you in a position of authority to empower people to rise up and do what he called them to do. So we're in a position of authority, and therefore we have authority over our own flesh, right? I can live the life God has called me to live. And the last but not least, we have authority over the devil. Come on, somebody. We have authority over the devil. And if you're out here today, maybe you're watching online, you say, Pastor Keith, I don't even know if there is a devil. Well, you need to read your Bible. Come on, somebody. Because Jesus spent much of his earthly ministry, I believe two-thirds, somebody said. I hadn't counted it up myself. But a lot of his earthly ministry casting out devils 
dealing with demonic powers, addressing the principalities and powers of darkness. And if you're going to live like Jesus lived, you're going to have to walk in authority over the enemy. And we have authority. We can rebuke, we can bind, we can loose. And whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth is loose in heaven because we are seated in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, let's talk about this for just a second because... Because what this means, because I have authority, because we are seated in Christ in a place of authority, I no longer have to be ruled by my circumstances. I can actually rule over them. Years ago, I was, uh, I was talking with a lady one Sunday morning. A lady went to our church. She actually still goes to our church. And I was talking to her, and, and uh, we had had one of those weeks. I ever had one of those weeks where, like, everything that could go wrong went wrong. I mean, family struggles, church struggles, financial struggles. I mean, it was just one of those weeks. And I came into church that Sunday morning, and uh, this lady was talking to me. She said, well, Pastor Keith, how are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. And I'll never forget it. She looked at me, and she said, well, what are you doing under there? <laughs> what are you doing under there? What are you doing under your circumstances? Because you have been seated with Christ in heavenly realms, you're in a place of authority where you get to rule over, not be ruled by the circumstances and situations of your life. And I want, I want to just challenge you. Let me just expand on this for a minute because you can't, I want you to hear this, you really can't control your circumstances. And the reason you can't control your circumstances is because the circumstances of your life are affected and dictated by the choices of other people. See, when you go to work tomorrow, if your boss decided over the weekend that he's going to shut down your area in uh, the plant or the factory or the business, then you might walk in tomorrow and find out you're unemployed. And your financial circumstances will change overnight without anything that you personally did or did not do. We're living under coronavirus quarantine. Every time I go to the store, I forget i got to have a mask. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and Levi gets the mask out of my car, and I'm like, i got to drive all the way home and get a mask. <laughs> <laughs> we got circumstances, right? That are not under our control, but we don't have to be ruled by our circumstances. We can rule over them because we are in a place of authority. Now, let me just explain a little further. When you're in your flesh, how many know sometimes we get there? When you're not in Christ and you step out of being securely seated in Him and you get in your flesh, you know what will happen? When you get in your flesh, people will steal your joy. People will steal your peace. And circumstances and situations will actually, we'll say it like this, man, they just ruined my day. If somebody is stealing your peace and stealing your joy and ruining your day, it's because you're in the flesh. And that doesn't mean we don't have horrible days. And it doesn't mean we don't have heartbreaking days. And it doesn't mean that we don't weep and we don't cry and we don't feel overwhelmed by the circumstances and situations of life. It doesn't mean we don't get mad as mad can be because of the choices and decisions that other people are making that are negatively affecting our lives. But it simply means this. I'm not going to be ruled in here by what's happening out here. I'm not going to be ruled in here by what's happening out here. Why? Because I have authority. I have authority over my own heart and my life. I have authority over my thoughts, my feelings, and my emotions. And I am not a victim of my circumstances. I am a victor in Christ over every circumstance and situation. And when you're seated in Christ, that's what happens. All of a sudden, you begin to live a life where your joy and your peace is not dictated by the external circumstances or the responses of other people. 
And you talk about power. See, when you're in Christ, you begin to live out the fruit of the Spirit. And we, we think of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace. I love the last fruit of the Spirit. The last fruit of the Spirit that's lifted is self-control. Let me tell you how you take control of what's happening around you. You take control of what's happening around you by self-control governing what's happening in you. Because when you control what's happening in you, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. Now, when I say it doesn't matter, it still matters, right? Because we love people and we care about people and we care about our world. So it matters in the sense that we want to see change out here. But it doesn't matter in the sense that what's happening out here is no longer governing what's going on in here. So my peace and my joy and my ability to enjoy my life and live it on purpose for God is no longer dictated by how things are going around me. It is dictated because I am seeing in Christ and I know who I am in Him and I'm in a place of authority where I'm taking self-control over my own actions and attitudes instead of being dictated by the circumstances of life. Amen? So we are in a place of authority. Look at that next point. Not only are we in a place of authority but we are positioned to prosper. Let me give you a definition of prosperity according to Scripture. Prosperity according to Scripture is not connected to money. It literally means to help someone reach their destination. It's the idea that, that you, you have, you're going on vacation and you're going to the beach. Somebody say, don't get coronavirus at the beach, right? Because everybody close to Y'all with me? That was supposed to be funny. I'm sorry. So, everybody goes to the beach, they come back with coronavirus. I'm like, don't go to the beach. No, I'm still. So, imagine you're going on vacation, you go on the beach, and you break down on the side of the road, you have a flat tire. Somebody stops, and they help you change your flat tire. You know what they just did? They just prospered you. They just helped you to reach your destination. So prosperity in the Bible is about being empowered and helped by God to reach your destination, your financial destination, your spiritual destination, your relational destination, every aspect of your life. God wants to empower you to prosper and reach the destination that he has purposed for your life. So let's talk about this a little bit. So because we are seated in Christ, we have the upper hand. We have a spiritual advantage. Let me just say, when you really start understanding this, you're going to start feeling sorry for people that don't know Christ. They are living at such a disadvantage. If you're out there today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching me online and you've never been born again, you are living life at a great disadvantage. Because if you are in Christ, you are positioned to prosper. Listen to this. You're positioned to prosper. Why? Because you're in a place of authority. Not only are you in a place of authority, you have the mind of Christ. And you have the blessing of God upon your life. 1 Corinthians 2 says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have what? The mind of Christ. Ephesians 1 3, we read it at communion. I'll praise to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Every spiritual blessing. We have access to everything that God has for us because we are united with Christ, seated in Him. So, stop telling me you can't. Stop telling me you can't get out of debt. Stop telling me that you can't find a job that will financially support your family. Stop telling me that you can't figure out how you're going to pass school or get out of college or overcome all these obstacles to get to the place that God has for you because you can. You can. 
You can do everything God has called you to do. You can do everything God has called you to do. Why? Because number one, we just talked about it, you are in a place of authority. Let's think about this for just a second. Let's think about being in a place of authority, having self-control instead of being externally controlled. Think about how that prospers you in the business world. If you're in the business community, imagine what kind of decisions you could make when everybody else has circumstantially done lost their cool, lost their peace, and lost their joy. And here they are, they're all blowing up and stressing out and freaking out over the circumstantial evidence that just happened in your business community or your business world, and you've got peace, and you've got joy, and you've got self-control. So when they're all freaking out, making horrible decisions, you've still got peace and joy in the Lord, and you can make good decisions. How many know that when you lose your peace and lose your joy, you're a horrible decision maker? I'm just going to tell you, if you don't know that, let me give you a heads up. You're a horrible decision maker. When you lose your peace and you lose your joy, you are a horrible decision maker. But when you abide in his peace and abide in his joy, you make good decisions. And think about that in the business world. Think about when everybody else is blowing up and complaining and griping and arguing about the boss and the employer and the supervisor. And I can't believe they're doing this to me and I can't believe they're doing this to us. And what are they going to do? How are we going to make money doing stuff like this? You're over there in peace and joy. you got self-control. And all of a sudden, you're walking in the good things that God has for you. And you're able to prosper and succeed because they're freaking out and you're making good decisions. Think about it relationally. Think about relationally what would happen. If when there's conflict in your marriage, and let me just go ahead and give you a heads up if you're not married today, when you get married, there will be conflict. Pastor Keith, are you prophesying? Yes. I'm sorry, it's not a good one, but it's the truth. There will be conflict, there will be difficulties. If you're raising kids, if you're raising teenagers, if you're raising, helping raise adult kids, it doesn't matter. Hey, there's going to be conflict in your family, there's going to be conflict in your relationships. If you're in school, you're going to have conflict with your friends and your best friends who used to be your best friend, now they're not your friend anymore. I mean, all this stuff is going to happen. It's going to happen. Here's the good news. When you're, when you're in Christ, you're in a place of authority where you don't have to be ruled by what's happening out here. And all of a sudden, when everybody else, everybody else is losing their peace and losing their joy, and they're looking at everybody, you ruined my day and you ruined my life. When you're 13, everything ruins your life. Did y'all know that? <laughs> you ruined my life. Me and Kelly ruined our kids' lives like a million times. <laughs> and here's the realization. When you maintain your peace and joy, when you have self-control, when your circumstances are out of control, Think about relationally what that does. Think about how that allows you to navigate through the relational obstacle course called life and come out on the other side with a stronger marriage, with a healthier family, with godly kids, and with peace and joy in your mind. Think about what happens when you abide in Christ. When you get in your flesh, bad things happen. But when you abide in Christ, there's a place of authority where you have self-control when your world's out of now let's talk about the mind of Christ. This is awesome. We have the mind of Christ. What a spiritual advantage. Think about this. If you're born again, you have the mind of Christ. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. So guess what? You see things people that aren't born again don't see. You see things they don't see. You have a discernment that they don't have. You have a clarity that they do not walk in. 
Like I said, when you really understand this, you're going to start feeling sorry for the people you know that don't love, that don't know God because they're living at this horrible disadvantage. Because now, because you have the mind of Christ, you hear what God hears. You see what God sees. You know what God knows. You know what Jesus said in John 14 and John 16 talking about the Holy Spirit? He said when the Holy Spirit comes, He's going to show you things to come. Let's talk about the business world. Let's talk about the business world for just a second. Wouldn't it be amazing if you saw the trend before it was a trend? Wouldn't it be amazing if you saw the curve before it was a curve? All of a sudden, you've got discernment and you've got insight to see things that are happening before the world catches on that it's happening. And you can make financial business adjustments in light of what the Holy Spirit is showing you instead of waiting for it to blow up on the news. Let's talk about parenting for a minute. Kelly will tell you hands down. Your best friend as a parent is the Holy Ghost. I mean your best friend because you know what the Holy Spirit will do? The Holy Spirit will show you there's something going on with your kids before there's something visibly showing that there's something going on with your kids. See, if you wait till it physically manifests, you probably waited too long. But if you will stay seated in Christ, the Holy Spirit will show you things and all of a sudden you'll begin to discern, man, something's just not right here. I may not know what's not right, but I know how to pray. And I know begin, I begin to intercede. I begin to stay in the gap. And the Holy Spirit begins to show you things and you start calling things out of them while they think you still are clueless. And all of a sudden you know things you never knew. Why? Because you have the mind of Christ. And then you have the blessing of God. The blessing of God, the favor of the Lord is on your life. God is looking for opportunities to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to favor you. And what's amazing about the favor of the Lord is that you can be on a job and somebody can have more seniority than you. They can have more education than you. They can have more connections than you. And when it gets time for the promotion, God puts your name on the top of the list. It's called favor. God just promotes you. God just takes your application off the bottom of the pile on the 300 applicants and somehow yours gets put on the top of the pile and it's highlighted in yellow and somehow that person says, well, I don't even know why I'm hiring you. My dad got one of those jobs one time. The guy literally said, I don't know why I'm hiring you, but I just feel like I'm supposed to. That's called Favor. And you've got the favor of God. When you're in Christ, the favor and the blessing of the Lord is upon you. And God will work supernaturally on your behalf. And instead of you disqualifying yourself by saying, well, I don't have the seniority and I don't have the education and I don't have this and I don't have that. I'm not saying you shouldn't do all those things. You should do everything you can do naturally to get where God's called you to be. But what you need to understand at the end of the day, your promotion doesn't come from your flesh. It comes from His favor. God favors you. And he pours out good things on your life. And the truth is, if we went around this room today, every person in here and every person watching online could tell some stories. I promise you, you could tell some stories. When I shouldn't have got it, and I got it. And I shouldn't have broke through, and I broke through. And this should have never happened, but it happened anyway. I should have never got that loan, but they gave it to me. We should never be living in this house, but here we are now. I should never be driving a new car, but look at me now. I should never have been able to go to college, but praise God, I graduated at the top of my class. I mean, think about, think back on your life. How many times has God favored you and blessed you? Why? Because in Christ you are blessed. In Christ you are favored. In Christ His goodness is on you. So we're in a place of authority. We are positioned to prosper this last one. We are postured to rest. 
Because when we're seated in Christ, we don't have to strive or stress over the things we cannot control. And there's a lot of that. But we can live in a place of peace and tranquility because we believe we already have everything we will ever need to live the life God has called us to. It's a posture of rest. Look, look at Colossians 2. It says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you are complete. One translation literally says complete, perfect, lacking nothing. You're complete through your union with Christ. You're seated in Christ, who is the head over every rule and authority. Look at Matthew 11. And Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. I'll give you rest. Look at verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find what? Rest. Rest for your souls. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. When you are seated in Christ, it's a posture of rest. I'm going to borrow a stool here for a minute. I don't know about you guys, but on Sundays, after me preaching three services, man, I go home and I'm heading for the lazy boy. I am super excited about sitting down in my little recliner and just kicking back. And sometimes, let's be honest, most of the time I go to sleep, take me a little nap. I'm all in favor. Anybody in favor of Sunday afternoon naps? About as good as it gets. Amen. I'm in good company here today. That's awesome. <laughs> and you know what's awesome about when I get home on Sunday afternoon and I, I sit in that chair? I know this is what I know. I know that my work for the day is kind of done. You ever had a long day at work? And, I mean, you came home, maybe your sweaty man was rough, maybe it was challenging mentally, emotionally, physically. You came home, got your shower, ate supper, and you finally made it to the easy chair, right? And when you sat down in that chair, you're like, oh. you could kind of breathe a deep breath because you knew, hey, my work, at least for today, is done. When we're seated in Christ, we're in a posture of rest. This says the work has already been done. I don't have to stress. I don't have to strive. I can rest in Christ because the work has already been done. We shared communion this morning. What is communion? It's about the fact that the work has already been done. And I can rest in him. And all of a sudden when I rest in him, I've, I've recognized a couple of things. I've recognized that when I'm running, I'm not very observant. And when I say running, I, I run a little bit. I love to ride my bike, and I got to ride my bike this week for the first time in a long time. And, and I ride down by the lake. And, and when I start my bike ride, I always think, I'm going to look out here. Man, what a beautiful lake. Look at the mountains. This is so gorgeous. And about, I don't know, 30 seconds into my ride, I done forgot there's a lake out there. Because I've got a goal in mind. I'm going to do 10 miles today. And I mean, I'm, you know, I'm Johnny. Johnny on the spot. And here I am, I'm on this little bike ride right here, and, and I, 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 I am totally oblivious. Unless I almost run over you, I don't even know you're there. But you know what I realize when I sit in my chair or I sit down somewhere to rest? All of a sudden, I go from just having tunnel vision to now I become observant. All these things that are happening around me. I go out in the morning, I do part of my quiet time on our back deck, and I'll sit out there and the squirrels and the rabbits and the birds. You never realize how loud nature is until you kind of stop and listen to it. And I'll go out early sometimes and I'll watch the moon in the middle of the night or sunrise in the morning. And when you're resting, instead of working, running, striving, 
pressing. Man, there's, there's, there's a whole world out there that you just don't see when you're in the trenches and your hands to the plow and you're getting the job done and accomplishing the task and doing the things that need to be done today. And this is what I've recognized. When I, when I learn how to rest in Christ, I become observant to what God is doing around me. And if you've never read this, let me make a good encouragement. You ought to read my book, Sore, but let me make a better encouragement. Shameless plug. Henry Blackaby wrote a book called Experiencing God. It's a great little work. And the whole concept of this book is really boiled down, boiled down a really simple thought here. He said, instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, why don't you start doing what God's blessing? Why don't you start doing what God is blessing? And the only way you can do what God is blessing is you've got to rest in Christ enough to be observant to see God in work. Because when I'm working, I don't know what God's doing because I'm working. <laughs> i got to go, i got to pass, and i got my hands to the plow, I'm getting something done. And I would dare to say probably most of you are kind of like that. Man, you've got a task in mind, a job to do, work to fulfill, probably call to me, and i got to get this thing done, i got to get it done now. And when I'm in that mode, I'm not very observant. But when I rest in Christ, I begin to see where God is working. I begin to look at people around me, the people I love, the people I care about, strangers that I don't even know. And I just begin to see the hand of God at work in those people's lives. Because resting in Christ doesn't mean we don't work. We work. Work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work is the creative expression of the gifts and talents that God has put in you. And I've read today, I think, Lord, I, I don't ever, I, my, my confession is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live till I die. I'm going to preach my own funeral. And I'm going to work till I walk to the grave. Because my, my worst thought of a worst day is to get up and have nothing to do. To me, that's, that's a nightmare. To think that I get up tomorrow morning and I have nothing to do. A week's vacation, that's awesome. But even when I'm on vacation, we got stuff we're going to do. We're going to relax on purpose. <laughs> I'm doing something. But work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. You go back and read Genesis. God did not curse work. God cursed the ground. He gave man work to do before the curse of sin ever came. Why? Because work is the creative expression that gives the talents that God's put in you. And praise God, you can get up every day and do something. You don't have to have a job to work on somebody. And so, all of a sudden, we got to work. That's just part of it. But what would happen if we were resting in Christ to the point that we were observing what God was doing to such a degree that we could begin to work where God was working. That instead of trying to ask God to bless our little thing, that we could actually start doing the thing that he's already blessing. And that we could begin to see the hand of God at work around us. Because I'm just going to tell you, I love what Jesus said. My Father is always at work. Woo! That's good. He's always at work. So that means there's never a season in your life there's never circumstances in your life. There's never an environment in your life that separates you from the work of God. God is always at work. And if we learn to rest, we'll become observant of that. And before you know it, we'll begin to see the hand of God at work. And this is what I've learned. I'm 48 years old. I'm getting a little maturity out of my belt. And I've learned that most stuff takes longer than I want it to take. And there's a process to the process. People don't grow up and mature overnight. It takes time. And I've recognized that sometimes I want to I wanna, I wanna, I wanna do God's work for him. Have y'all ever been guilty of that? I want to be the Holy Spirit. I want to help him 
convict people because they're really doing bad things and they're making everybody visible around them and I wish you'd straighten up, act up, do right. The world would be a wonderful place. And sometimes I really want to help God. When I get in my flesh, I try to be the Holy Spirit. When I'm in Christ, I let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and I just try to join myself to what He's doing. So all I'm trying to say today is, is that in Christ, when we buckle up in Him, man, we're in a good place. We're in a place of authority. We're positioned to prosper. And it's a posture of rest. Let me say this to you. We're going to pray. If you are physically and emotionally and mentally exhausted, you're not in Christ. Now, I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you're not seated in Him. Because when you're seated in Christ, you're not physically, emotionally, and mentally exhausted. What did Jesus say? All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you what? Yes. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a beautiful picture of what Christianity should be. When we're in our flesh, man, we stress out. We're emotionally, mentally, and physically exhausted. But when we're in Christ, there's restoration. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me this morning. He said, he, he said, so many people are trying to be restored without rest. He said, you can't even spell the word restored if you remove rest. The only way to be restored is to rest in Christ. And when you rest in Him, there's restoration for your mind. There's restoration for your body. There's restoration for your soul. God restores marriages and families and finances when we rest in Him. Let's just bow our heads together today. I want to just start out and just say, if you're here today and you are a Christian and you know that without a shadow of doubt, Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. I want to just ask you today, are you in your place? Are you walking in the position? And have you taken the posture that comes from being seated in Christ? Are you being ruled by your circumstances? Are you being ruled by God's Spirit? Are you in a place of self-control because you're in Christ? Or are you out of control because you're in your flesh? Today, you just need to return. You need to buckle up. You need to lock in. What about, are you positioned to prosper? Are you in that place favor and blessing of God is being poured out upon you? Or are you striving to obtain by your flesh what God wants to freely give you by the Spirit? And last but not least, are you in that posture of rest? Are you exhausted today? Mentally, physically, emotionally worn out? I want to just encourage you today, rest in Christ. Rest in Him. Right now, as you just kind of do some business with the Lord, this is your opportunity just to repent. Return to that high place. You are seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Let's return there. Let's return to that high place. Let's find our place, our position, our posture in Him. That changes everything. Then last but not least, maybe you're here this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I'm not in Christ. I've never been saved. Bible calls it being born again. I've never truly trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you're the end of the road today. And when I say that, I understand that means a lot of things. It could literally mean there are people right now, maybe watching online, that are contemplating taking your own life. 
people get there. Maybe you're maritally at the end of your rope. Maybe physically, financially, you're at the end of your rope. And you just realize today there's, there's no hope except for the only hope that's found in Jesus. And today you want to trust Him. And you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible calls it again, being born again. It's where the God that lives in heaven comes to live in you. And He changes you from the inside out. It's a gift. So with every head bowed and right close, if you're here today and you want to pray to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you just to raise your hand. If you're watching on online campus, there's a little button there where you can raise your hand. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can just write in there, I want to accept Christ. But if that's you here today, just raise your hand. Today I want to be seated in Him. I want to find my place, my position, and my posture in Christ, and I want to live for God. I want to just pray with you. I want to ask everybody here today to pray with us. If you're online and you're praying this prayer, this is for you. Let's just bow our heads and say it out loud. Everybody with me today. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. I receive you now as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.